I just remember texting my buddies every day, just being like, I just met players from the Dolphins. Or like, I, I just got to leave a voicemail for Bob Saget because Sarah Silverman's dad comes by every single day and talk to me. And I learned that they're friends. And like, <laughs> That's awesome. You are listening to Inside Skookum, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of a growing tech company. My name is Josh Lucas, and today Brad Schmidt and I are sitting down with Chris Manley. Chris heads up the sales and engagement management team we have here at Skookum, and he's been with the company for over nine years, which for as young as Skookum is, that makes him one of our most tenured people. So I wanted to get him on the podcast and hear what his road to Skookum looked like, what Skookum's evolution has looked like since he's been here, and then also just get to know him a little bit outside of work. Chris is somebody you'll realize very quickly has a lot of interests, a lot of hobbies that keep him busy, and he's a super talented guy. So with that, let's get to know Chris Manley. I'm always interested to hear how people got to their role that they're in currently at Skookum. So was your education before entering into the workforce, was it related to what you're doing now in any way? I was a sales, or excuse me, I was a marketing major in college. And um, for me, I've always thought of myself as more of like a creative. And if you would have asked me probably back then what I was going to do is probably write advertisements or come up with great campaigns. And and I still remember very vividly in, uh, I think, one of my marketing capstone classes, the professor said, who here is going to go into sales to our marketing capstone? And not a single hand was raised, right? <laughs> and I remember he said, you guys all say, like, no one thinks this, but 90 plus percent of you in this room right now are going to be in sales, like in probably the next year or two from, from graduation. I think for most people, sales ends up with this like bad connotation. You think of a used car salesman or someone trying to convince you of something you never wanted to begin with. And what you realize once you're on the, the professional side of this is that it's, you know, it's a really important function to help solve problems. And sales is just a series of problems solved for somebody. So I never planned on being in sales, but everything I've learned about myself since makes me realize like that was probably always going to happen in some way, shape or form. To that point, I feel like this whole work from home scenario has got to be driving you up a wall, just not being able to like meet in person and interact with people on a like face to face level. Yeah, it's certainly been a challenge. I've found that I get a lot of energy from being out there. And when I say out there, like a normal week for me involves probably a coffee meeting, a lunch meeting, and then a happy hour dinner meeting almost every day. So the real winner here is, you know, me in the grand scheme of things and my family, because I've actually been home for dinner every single night for the last four months, which never happens before, because that's a big part of my kind of how I have always done this job. But I think the other problem outside of just getting a lot of my energy off of in person with people is like, when you sit down with someone and, and meet in person, have coffee, you're able to let the conversations meander more to where they may go. And that's really where I've always learned where people are really asking for help. And like, when I talk to people who are especially early on in their sales career, I, I try and make sure they understand that selling is really all about giving. So if you really focus on just giving pe- to people and really help them solve their problems, even when they're not necessarily asking you to, those are just deposits you make throughout your career. And someday you may need to make a withdrawal on those relationships and ask for something in return. But really, it's all about giving. And I find it harder to do that right now in this remote environment because People aren't meandering. Like when was the last time you had a Zoom call that was scheduled for 30 minutes and ended up going two and a half hours and then we moved to the next bar? Like it doesn't happen anymore, right? Yeah. Those are the things that really happen with the in-person relationship building that I miss a great deal. So you sometimes just you're missing those opportunities to get into the finer points of people's lives where they're really asking for help. 
you were a marketing, your marketing major in college. And then once you leave college, what did that path to Skookum look like after college? So I was, um, I graduated college and my parents went to Miami of Ohio. My folks moved like most people in Ohio. At some point they seemed to move to North Carolina. So my folks moved to Lake Norman outside of Charlotte when I was in college. And so I moved home after college to find a job. And I thought Charlotte seemed like, like a pretty cool place to find something fun to do. And I was interning at uh, the furniture plant that my dad ran manufacturing at. So I was in the marketing department. I spent three summers writing romance paragraphs about lines of furniture. So like bedroom sets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the BS was at like all time. I mean, I just, I just laid it on thick when you're like, you know. It's like similar to the Seinfeld J. Peterman catalog of just like hamming oh, it up. It's like, yeah. if you listen closely, this bedroom set will sing whispers of summer breeze to you. you know, <laughs> did you leverage this in dating as well? Yeah, did you, totally. Did, did that carry over to like letters that you would write to girls? Yeah, totally. <laughs> the romance paragraph game is strong. So I was, in, I was working at this furniture manufacturing plant and I got a call one day and it was out in Hickory, North Carolina. So I always had a, like an hour long drive every day to really think about where, where am I going in my life, right? Uh, with my dad. And, and, and to come up with these like great romance ideas. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I remember I put my, this is going to date me, right? So like resume on monster.com and I got a call at work from a person who had seen my resume on monster.com and a guy said, Hey, I'm uh I got a weird first question for you. Do you happen to play poker? And uh, I was like, well, I live with my parents and I play about six hours of online poker a night. It's <laughs> <laughs> Which if you're like from our age bracket, that wasn't out of the norm at all. Like for, for guys. I mean, I remember in college, it was just like every pool table was a poker table and out of control. I'm, I, I'm sure yeah. you're. I was, was like the something. anomaly with this. Like every one of my friends was like, that's what they did. I never Never did it. Like never. I can probably count, probably count on one hand the amount of games of like real poker that I've played Dude, in my life. Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker, and everyone just like lost yeah, their mind. Yeah. If you were in that age demographic and you were a dude, yeah, that's what like that, I think he won it. I think he won the World Series of Poker with a forty dollar buy in online, and it was like you know won a tournament that got him into another tournament, and that you know you win five tournaments online, and he got a World Series of Poker seat, and then he turned that into millions of dollars and. You know, became one of the you know plus his last name's freaking moneymaker, like, <laughs> which almost seems fake. Like it's almost yeah, like yeah. that was planned, right? It's like <laughs> uh, it's like Larry Sprinkle, right? The weather guy in Charlotte is like, but it's his real it's his real last name. Yeah. But it's just like this just seems too good to be true. But yeah. that was like this was all like right around the same time like Rounders was out, and not like that was a huge oh. a huge movie. So this is two thousand five. I remember getting this call and it was like, Hey, we, you know, do you play poker? And I passed that test really well. And they said, all right, cool. So we I'm with this like small startup in, in Charlotte and we've created this electronic poker table, as you may have heard, as we just talked about poker's booming around the, around the country and casinos don't know how to, they don't have the like talent to go spread the game in like open poker rooms. And then there's a lot of places that don't allow cards and chips like tribal casinos, cruise ships and things where it's mostly electronic and so we're trying to bring the game of poker to these places through this electronic format. I remember he sent me a picture and I looked at him like, all right, that's really freaking cool. It's like 10 seats around a, a big table. So you're sitting in person with people. It's like you're playing online poker, but you're just playing against the 10 people sitting around you. So it really blends the live with the online poker thing. So the next day I went down to, uh, I was out in Matthews, North Carolina, 
went down to the office, saw this table. And, um, I just remember thinking like, this is, I'm getting punked here somewhere. Cause this is like, came, let me remind, remind you, this came to me. Like I was just like <laughs> writing a romance paragraph about a, a bedroom set. And I get this call. And when you like submit your job online, like, or, uh, Hey, I'm looking for some, a position on like, you don't, I don't, you don't get phone calls from companies that are like, I would like to hire you. No, you know? like, like, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And I remember like asking why did I stand out? And they were just, like, we were literally just looking for someone young right out of college. Cause the real ask here was the company had just gotten its very first client. So the product was brand new and they got in a seminal Indian tribe down in Florida to put the product in the hard rock casino. And, you know, at this point it was down there and they just needed someone to like babysit the product. Like you need to like basically go live in the hotel and make sure this is successful. So like I was basically like the on-site trainer, technician and hype man. I had like the coolest experiences for months living in the hard rock. It's, you know, right outside of Miami, Florida and like concerts and the shows that would happen there would just bring all these celebrities. I have like crazy stories of meeting all these people. And it's because my table's right outside of where the, the concert venue let out. Yeah. It's always there, standing there with a big shirt on that said Poker Pros, the name of our product. It was like the coolest possible experience you have right out of school. For like a 22, 23 year old guy in that time period, maybe the coolest job. The coolest. I just remember texting my buddies every day, just being like, I just met players from the Dolphins. Or like, I, I just got to leave a voicemail for Bob Saget because Sarah Silverman's dad comes by every single day and talk to me. And I learned that they're friends. And like, <laughs> That's awesome. You know what I said to Bob Saget in his voicemail? <laughs> my favorite movie uh, from college was Dirty Work with Norm MacDonald. Yes, oh, yeah. yes. And he, I remember that. And he directed it. So most people might go right for the full house credentials he's got. Oh, he's American filthy. Man. Videos. No, I went right to like Dirty Work. Best cinematic masterpiece. I just want to say thank you. I, I'm, I'm smell, still right? scarred by his cameo appearance with Dave Chappelle. Bob Saget's cameo appearance in Half Big. That was the first, that was the moment I realized that he wasn't Danny from Full House. And yeah. it just like awakening for me and maybe not in a great way. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole name of the game was just like, they need someone that was really flexible, basically no life attachment that can just go do all the things that people, you know, that had families and stuff couldn't do. Like if you, if I were to stop you right there, you could have gone one of two ways, a sales job or special forces, black ops, <laughs> the same credentials at that point. Like we need someone with no attachments that we can send off and yeah, you know, we, we, we may never hear from you again. Yeah. And it involved me going into lots of countries with people that ran casino properties that sometimes were in the gray markets. <laughs> really tight correlation there. Good. good. Yeah. Wow. What I found immediately, though, is I loved I got I was really excited about the product and what we were doing. And so, like, that's kind of how I roll. Once I, I was really excited about it, I wanted to tell people about it. So I was good at getting players to play. One of the founders, a guy named Lou White, was a ex sales guy at Dell, like a true enterprise corporate sales guy that started this company. And I really started following what he was doing and I gravitated towards sales. And like, I'm still the, kind of still wired this way. Like I hated being back at the office knowing that people were out meeting with clients and like there was a big meeting happening that could turn into a, a new client and I wasn't there. And like, so I, I really gravitated towards shadowing him and then I got to the point where I was running sales for uh, North America. At what point do you leave that world to come to Skookum? Yeah, so I got a little tired of poker. And I, I mean, I was literally Monday through Friday. If I was lucky, I was back by Friday traveling every single week. And I, I like my then girlfriend, now wife. I liked her a lot and I just wasn't seeing her very much. And at the same time, I was kind of looking at some of the really successful people in the casino industry that were in kind of where my career was going. And I, the lifestyle there wasn't probably going to be suitable 
for me long-term with the goals that I had with my family, with having a family and things like that. And uh, a mentor of mine um, who was a former CEO at the previous company invited me to a beer one night and he said, there's a guy I need you to meet. I think you could help their company. And I, I went to uh, meet up for this beer and uh, there was someone there I'd never seen before. I sit down and he said, before I introduce you, what do you think of the name Skookum? And of course I'd never heard the word before, right? I was like, I don't know how you want me to answer that. He's like, well, is it a good word or a bad word? I was like, I don't know. I don't really like it. It uh, kind of sounds like a band, maybe like Slipknot or something. <laughs> and he's like, cool. I want you to meet the founder of Skookum. They're a technology company here in town. That you could you could help. That was uh, Brian Delaney. So that was how I got introduced to Brian. And, and we started the conversation of where Skookum was at that time and where they were trying to go and where I might be able to help. And you said that was nine years ago. Yeah. The iPhone is what, 10 years old, I think this year. And so the way Skookum was positioned to me, it was like, hey, we're bunch of guys build mobile apps. And one of the developers at the time had just won a WDC award for like a top app. So just to meet someone that was building a mobile app back then was really rare, let alone someone that was winning an award. And the thought there was like, I just remember like, I need to be around this. I don't know what this is, but I feel like mobile apps are a thing. <laughs> like the iPhones again, like just came out and I want to be around this and learn a lot about it. And then I could see where enterprises are going to want to need this capability at some point. The question that we ask everybody is, where are you a nerd? What are the things that you just totally nerd out on? There's several things. So I'm a dabbler, right? I don't go deep into anything, but I like to go shallow on a lot of different things. So it really depends where I'm at. What's your thing right now at this moment? This is what I'm focusing on. Knife sharpening. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was actually looking just last week at like a, to be like, what would whittling be like? I might get into whittling. Like I saw like kits to like make my own kitchen spoons. And I think a lot of this is pandemic related. I bought this really nice knife sharpener and I've really working on getting great at dialing in kitchen knives and stuff to the point where I'm asking neighbors if I can have their knives. And- <laughs> but hey, you know, we, we just recorded a podcast yesterday with David Kim Apparently big into knife sharpening as well. Like does the whole Japanese whetstone thing, like soaks the stone like for 24 hours beforehand. That seems like he's already gone deeper than I'm going to go. Like I (laughs) I bought a thing that's like a belt sharpener and like I've already spent enough time just being good enough at it. I've realized it's like my, like I'm good enough. I'm moving on to like the next thing. I'm I'm really into haircutting right now. I've been cutting my kids hair and my own during this pandemic. And I'm like, I watch, a, I, my YouTube history is basically hair, hair <laughs> videos and barber techniques, you know? So a lot of these things, I do try and be as self-reliant as possible. And that's kind of like a theme. The things I find myself enjoying the most are like, I think I'm happiest. And I think this goes for a lot of people, like when they're, you know, they're active in their own life more and like active in the day-to-day things that sustain life. I was looking at a, a new like camping hatchet and I went deep down that. So that's the thing. Like I get excited about something like that. Like I need a new hatchet to go camping and then I'll get, all right, what's like the coolest, like American made wood handled. I, I'll, I'll spend like three nights just doing that research. I was listening to something recently that they said because of like the internet and, and all that, that we like, we've all become like maximizers and everything. You know, it used to be just that like, oh, we were okay with that because that was the brand that was at the store and it's the only brand they have and you couldn't get anything else, Yeah, you know, or it'd be really difficult to get anything else. And now it's like, you can get anything you want. And like, 
So I want the best and I'm only going to settle for the best. And so now we're all just these like crazy neurotic maximizers. <laughs> and it's like, everybody is. Yeah. You know? no, that's a good point. Cause now you're to the point where, well, if that's at the store, then it must not be that great. Yeah. And ev everything has kind of moved towards this idea of like craftsmanship over branding. And sometimes they're one and the same, but a lot of times it's like, to your point, you know, you like, you go down those rabbit holes pretty deep and you're like, okay, here's a knife I can get at the store, but here's the knife that's forged by two guys in their garage out of leaf spring, out of like an old 45 Ford pickup truck molded from, you know, some ebony handle that they found in like an old abandoned garage. So you're talking about Bob Kramer, <laughs> well-known knife maker. The best chefs in the world get a custom Bob Kramer and they're like Damascus steel and like crazy expensive. <laughs> yeah. You can go super deep into those things. So I started to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot for a couple of things, but you've kind of nerded out pretty consistently on making your own hot sauce and cooking. Like those kind of go hand in hand along with the knife thing that you're talking about. Is that still a thing? Is he still doing a lot of that? It is. Thanks, Josh. So I, I like to garden. So I have a pretty like booming garden right now. So I've been, but I've been do doing more pickling this year than hot sauce making, which, yep pretty similar concepts. So been pickling a lot of peppers, onions, uh, cucumbers and stuff. But yeah, I plan on doing doing up some hot sauce here soon. And you know, I like making a lot of it and giving it out to people. That's very fun for me to find out if other people like it and trying lots of, I like to smoke peppers and stuff and try smoked hot sauces. That's kind of where I want to, want to get that all dialed in. I never had a cast iron pan. So I've been getting into different techniques based around cast iron which is kind of taking me back more towards, uh, you know, just more like my standard gas grill or doing that on top of charcoal on the kettle grill. So I have a lot of different grills and smokers and making my own smoker. I even, even got a, like a, um, Wait, hold, hold on a second. We got to go, we got to rewind. Cause people are going to hear this and we just, you're about to glaze over this when you say you made your own smoker. Yeah. I made this like little mini smoker. I actually use it all the time. It, so, you know, it was like little tiny Weber kettles, like the little Weber, um, like you'd use at a tailgate. Like yeah, little tight, the smallest ones. If you just put like a big uh, stock pot in between the bottom and the top and the lid, and you just cut the bottom out of that pot, you've basically just made a little mini smoker. And you just put a like a ceramic pan in there, like that you would put under a plant as the heat diffuser. And uh, for like you know seventy five bucks, you got yourself a really nice little mini smoker that's perfect for like you know doing up sausages and hot dogs and yeah, steaks and stuff. So how long does a project like that take you? Just a few weeks. Yeah, just not even maybe like a week, but probably a few weeks in total when you consider all the research and like the online forum reading and all that kind of stuff. But that's like a perfect example of like a project that I pretty much always have something going on. Like right now I'm trying to build solar lanterns for around like our outdoor patios right now. If there's any furniture around my house, like that's made out of wood, I had to figure out how to make that because I wasn't going to go spend an absurd oh. amount of money at Lowe's. To, to buy it and bring it in, um, even though that would have saved me a lot of stress and time. No, I'm the opposite of you guys, man. I'm just going to go just buy it on, on online and get it shipped to my house. And you know, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm, Josh and I talk about this, but like, you know, my favorite quote ever is, you know, if you chop your own wood, it'll warm you twice. And I think it's, it's like very fulfilling to build these things. And then it's even more fulfilling once you get to use them. And like, it truly warms you twice. I know in a past life, 
you had toyed with the idea of pursuing music. And I want to dig into that a little bit. But for the folks who don't know, they may see you kind of wearing the sales hat around the office all the time and not realize like you're a great musician, guitar player, play the keyboard. You got some pipes on you. Um, yeah. So music's always been like a part of my my life and picked up piano like pretty early age and and I'm able to still like kind of pick up new instruments really easily and you know can hear music and play it right back and you know I kind of mentioned this earlier like I don't really I find myself really hesitant to go deep into anything and as soon as I started studying music in college I really quickly learned like I just don't like going I don't want to keep going deeper and deeper into this it's start, it stopped being fun to me really fast so I've, I've always found like I played more music when I wasn't taking lessons or had structure around it. And I've deepened my skills when I wasn't like studying it. So in college, instead I was playing and we had a weekly gig at a country night at a bar called Pachinko's. It's probably not around anymore where me and my roommate played guitar for someone who sang country music. But yeah, it's always been still a really big part of my life. I got to play the piano as much as possible. I have a beautiful like hundred plus year old baby grand downstairs that my dad refurbished when I was oh, nice. with, like one of the most prized possessions. Did you tell me one point you like, do you have an old guitar or something like? Yeah, like, I have a, uh, a guitar from 1890. I think it's 1890. Yeah. In my attic right now in a case that was built by my great, great grandfather and then restored by my father. I come from like family my dad, like, you know, super- this is where the whole whittling thing is coming into play here. Yeah. It's all making sense now. Yeah, exactly. So Chris, you've been, uh, obviously it's Kukum for as long as anyone, except for Don post. How have you seen the company change? That's a great question. I mean, it's changed um, obviously a ton. And I feel like some of the same culture elements are in place where we still feel like we're approaching technology the right way, a different way. And we're like the anti big establishment consultancy approach. But what's different today than it was back then is we have all these professionals that are expertise and specialists when we used to be kind of more generalists. And so we've become really good at delivering complex projects versus back then being, you know, a group of developers kind of winging it and um, hoping for the best outcomes. Like, yeah, we can guarantee those outcomes now. I'm sure in the beginning there was a lot of we'll sell it and then we'll figure it out. A ton of that. A ton of that. And like, you know, when you get started, you don't, we don't have like really cool client examples of other work that we've done. You know, everyone you talk to always wants to say like, where, who have you done this for? Uh, what other brands do you work with? And when you don't have any of those, you got to make a lot out of a little, um, you know, you got to get really creative to how you build that trust. And so now we sit today as like, we have, you know, amazing clients, amazing projects. Like we've done incredible things that we can talk about. So that certainly helps. You know, the other thing that's interesting to me is like for a long, long time, we found ourselves in a lot of rooms that you're like, Hey, this is kind of cool, but we don't really belong here. Like we got no business doing this work for this big company. And who are we, this little scrappy company no one's ever heard of. And with the weird name, that sounds like we open up for Slipknot. And uh, <laughs> so like, you know, kind of being in a lot of scenarios where you're truly this underdog and you, you kind of have this feeling that we don't belong here, but isn't this fun that we're here and let's, you know, let's go win it just because like, why not? Nothing to lose. And today now we're in those situations less and less where we're, we should be there. And like, we're there because of, um, all this experience that we have and we're expected to to do great work and all these other things. So it's great in a different way, but I have these like out of body moments sometimes when I'm sitting in like a, you know, a large bank and we're talking about, you know, these big projects that are so mission critical that we're going to do. And it's like, how do, I, this is amazing. How do we get here? Like, <laughs> this is really amazing. I remember when, you know, this was never in our wildest dreams, even though this is what we've been working for for a long time. So that's cool. And then also just being a part of this much bigger team and I'm not, you know, being one of the more senior people now. So constantly learning from new people and younger people and 
kind of it's like actually like overwhelming for me to actually think about as I look back at nine years of like where we are today to where we started. But the things that I still connect with at Skookum that allow me to go out and be, I think, successful at my job is I'm truly excited about what we have here and I want people to know about it. And um, that's the one thing that hasn't changed. Do you feel like the uh, the core culture has kind of stayed consistent over the years and kind of grown and evolved? Yeah. You know, we talk about it all the time, Brad, is like in our decision making is like, is this the Skookum thing to do or not the Skookum thing to do? And like, how do you articulate what that is? And I think that's just to make sure we're still doing things the Skookum way feel the same to me as they did nine years ago. Were there any just crazy moments that you can think back on over the last nine years? The very first thing that came to my mind, and I still remember this well to this day, is like, we had a, a client in the mortgage industry based in San Francisco. And this is going back probably six years ago or so. And it was one of our first really big enterprise, you know, servicing a big company. And I'm in San Francisco. It was, I remember being like a late on a Friday afternoon. We're in a boardroom with their CEO and we, we were proposing a really big project that was super complex and we were perfectly like we belong there. I just remember looking out the window during that meeting at like, I'm already, I'm literally across the country in Silicon Valley where there's a million technology companies and we're the right people to do this project. And I just, in my head, I just kept thinking about all the different land between here and Charlotte of all these different companies, let alone being in the heart of, of Silicon Valley. And I kind of had this moment where I'm like, I think we belong doing this right here and no one's better at it than us. Was that the tipping point for you? Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's the tipping point of no longer feeling like everything is a fake it till you make it. I mean, I think that's part of growth in general, like, you, I, you know, the imposter syndrome or faking it till you make it. I, I think you need an element of that always to push yourself to the next the next level. But that was one where I was like, that felt like we turned the corner and um, everything since then felt like we truly belong. Chris, we really appreciate you jumping on with us here and taking some time just to share some stories with us and talk about the history of Scoop. And we, we love to have you on and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Do you need more Skookum in your life? Just because more of us are working from home nowadays doesn't mean you can't stay connected. All of our tech talks are being live streamed. And if you aren't already, make sure that you follow us on social. Until next time, don't forget to stay nerdy.